0: Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Mark chapter 4, beginning with the first verse. Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea. Well, we find in Scripture that Jesus taught more than he preached. Now, one time in Scripture was he called preacher. Instead, he was always referred to by master or teacher. John 13 and verse 12, I want you to listen to Jesus' own disclosure or his self-thoughts here after he washed the disciples' feet. In verse 12, he said, When he had washed their feet and put on their outer garments and resumed his place... He served, but he also had a station in ministry. He said this to them, Do you understand what I have what? Done to you. Now, if you're a student of the Scripture, you will notice that Jesus frequently asks, Do you get it? Do you understand? His question was not, Did you shout? Even though that's good. The question was not, Are you motivated? Are you inspired? That was typically not the question. He'd preach, and then he'd ask questions like, Or do something, do you understand what I have done to you? Jesus was looking for people to get it. He was trying to get understanding more than anything else into the hearts of men. His time was short, and he wanted again the disciples to get it. He went on and said, You call me teacher and what? Lord. Nowhere in the scripture, I know in the contemporary church, you know, people calling their pastors by the first name. I don't get it. Y'all can do that, and I'm not criticizing you. I'm just talking about what the book says. Not one place in the scriptures did the disciples ever refer to Jesus, or at least when they addressed him, addressed him using his first name. It was always rabbi teacher, master, or lord. And, and Jesus said this you call me this name, and guess what? You're right. I am a teacher. You're right, I am the master. He said, for so what? I am, that's imai. that's the divine name there. Jesus saw himself principally, now he was, yes, the son of man, the son of God, but in terms of his function or capacity in which he connected with others for the cause of ministry, he saw himself chiefly as a teaching, teacher. Preaching is, and in Christ's case, was very important. But if you attended his meeting, again, his goal was more to instruct than to inspire. In fact, if you're really familiar with inspiration, inspiration doesn't come from spinning some words real right, you know, and making that 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 inspiration usually comes from a life. Jesus inspires me because of the way he handled things. I'm inspired because of the way he he, he handled the grave, predicted the grave, and and how he handled life. And and because of who he was, you see, it's not just the message preached. It's the individual behind the message that tends to bring inspiration. And what we have is a lot of people trying to spin verbs and adjectives thinking that inspires people. Let me tell you something. I don't know if Mother Teresa could preach at all, but she inspires me. Are you hearing me? Dr. King, you know, I don't know that he was the greatest preacher ever. I really don't know that, but he inspired, he laid down his, are you hearing what I say? His life. And it's inspiration doesn't just come from speaking well. It comes from a life lived. Jesus, now don't misunderstand me, he did inspire. And he was inspirational to hear. And in his teaching, he would preach, and he'd get excited, and he didn't put you to sleep. He, 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 he was very involved in what he was doing, but his chief aim was to get into people's ear, not just, again, emotions. Please don't mishear. emotions are a good thing. In fact, I feel just a little bit emotional right now in the presence of God, and it's a good thing. And my wife makes me feel emotional at times, and that's a good thing. And you don't want just a rote marriage where y'all just, you know, like go through the, no, no, you want to feel and, and, you know, you want to experience some things together. And and God wants us to feel, but our commitment comes before the feelings. For better or for worse, are you hearing me? And when I decided on the commitment, the feelings got a lot better. Okay, not a lot of amens this morning, but (laughs) I think I'm doing a good job. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 again. And a very large crowd gathered about him. Here's a deal, leader, pastor-to-be. You don't have to put on a show to get a crowd. Just start meeting people's real needs. Start showing people Jesus. Start revealing God and, and, and teaching about the good uh, truth of, of God's Word, and people will show up. Man, you know, I'll be honest, church, I know we do a lot of entertaining things, but we cannot compete with the television. We cannot compete with Hollywood. They got us beat hands down. They' got machines, money, they know how to smooth it up. They know how to do it. So the thing that must distinguish the church is in all our doing, there has to be something authentic, something real, something genuine, something transforming. That is more than the fluff and, and more than the powder. you hear what I'm saying? More than the touch-up. Something genuine. I hope in even my teaching this morning I'm gonna say something, but you hear an authenticity. You know, a lot of folks say, Bishop, teach me how to preach. I can't teach you how to preach, but let me, if you let me teach you how to live, the preach will come. <laughs> See, I, I really no one trained me to preach. I not I didn't have one homiletic course in my life. All I did was walk with God. And after walking with him, I started sharing the things I knew, and, 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 and then excitement would come, and, and he, he'd teach me how to, how to, how to reach people, and, and I'd learn from, from the Scriptures, but the, my, my goal is not to preach. My goal is to live this thing. My goal is to have you live this thing. And if that requires teaching and preaching, I'll do it. But the preaching and the amens is not the end result. The end result must be a life lived. So Jesus would interrupt or, or actually, did you guys get me? Did you understand? I, I know it was exciting and Jesus was charismatic and he was powerful, but, but did you understand? And when you leave here today, I, I hope you leave here with some more understanding than you had when you came. And a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on a, a sea. Now. You see here the genuine shepherd, he wants to be with people. He, he loves the sheep, and, and Jesus was the great shepherd. But here we see that the crowds began to swell. And sometimes as a leader, you have to push away a little bit to be more effective. You see, if Jesus was, his concern was, you know, I need to be with the people more than I need to teach the people, he would not have been effective here. And sometimes you got to back up a little bit. Sometimes you might even need to move away from some relationships to be effective in what you do. Okay, love you guys. But the day my friendship with you gets in the way of me pastoring you, we're not friends no more. I've said this before, it's worth saying. When I go to glory and he says, son, what did you do with that anointing I put in my life? I made some friends. People liked me, I liked them. I don't he said, Derek, what fruit did you... I didn't anoint you to be everybody's friend. I anointed you to be a pastor, to shepherd the flock, to lead them in the way they're supposed to go. I didn't anoint you for a popularity contest, son. I anointed you because I had a job for you to do. Even with parenting today, we find grown people trying to be kids' friends. Now, may a friendship grow. I talk to my kids, and we have a deeper relationship than we did years ago. But let me tell you something. Today, our friendship gets in the way of curfew. Today, it gets in the way of him getting decent grades. We not friends. Sometimes I come home. I'm like, listen, I am not your friend. I am your father, <laughs> Luke. You know, whatever. What's that show? Yeah. But I know what my main assignment is, and it's to get in your ear. It's to get this word in your head and in your heart. And if I got a tap dance, do it, I'll do it, but don't get married to the means. You hear what I'm saying? And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. This is a great picture of leadership. Jesus stationed himself in the rocking boat. And he left the people on dry ground in order for him to share more effectively. And sometimes leaders will find themselves in shaky situations in order to serve better. And sometimes you'll find yourself, your people seem to be doing better often than, than you're doing, but that's the true nature of leadership. That's what we parents do, and, and ultimately, that's what Christ called his leaders. Verse 2, and he was what? Teaching. He was what? Teaching. He was what? Teaching. Teaching is very, 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 very important. If you find one thing Christ does, it's teach. He does preach. He does proclaim. But his proclamations typically come out of his lordship. His teaching comes out of him trying to to save and redeem us, which is a different issue. But let's keep going. And he was teaching them many things in what? Parables. In other words, he would use things that people understood to explain the things that they didn't understand. And they, this was an agricultural society. Everyone understood farming. Even if you were a carpenter, you typically had a little uh, garden in your backyard because, you know, you didn't know what was going to happen. And, and people, you know, uh, everybody had a little garden somewhere. So everybody understood this subject of of, of sowing and, and reaping. So Jesus said, listen, I have some truth to explain to you that you might not easily ex- understand, so I'm going to use things you do understand to to explain them. And this is, again, the purpose of the parable here. And it says, in his what? Teaching, he said to them, listen. When, when Jesus spoke, he had tremendous confidence in what he was saying, because he, he recognized he was speaking for God. And he's saying, listen, guys, don't daydream on me. It's important what, I, what I'm, I'm saying here. Behold, a sower went out to do what? Sow. Now, this parable is not going to be clear to us at first because we live thousands of years removed from this period. But in this time in history, the uh, farmer would first sow, and then after he sowed, they turned the soil. So he go out, he put a bag of seed on his back, and, and they do it by hand and they broadcast the seed. Actually, our term broadcast on television comes from the from, from the sower sowing the seed. The broadcast goes everywhere, but only the people who tune into the channel actually catch the show. And what God does, he says, I know everyone's not gonna tune in, but I'm gonna broadcast this seed all over so that whosoever will can get plugged in to the right divine station. Behold, a sower went out to sow. And again, after the seed was planted, then the ox would turn the soil. And what would happen is the soil would turn, and the seeds that were on top of the ground now went into the ground, and the ground was broken and softened such that the seed could begin to grow. And as he what? Sowed. The sower's job, this is super important to you. I really need you to hear this. The sower's job was not to make a judgment on on, on the soil. He wasn't to to judge the soil. His only job was to throw the seed far and wide, knowing that eventually the character of the soil would reveal itself. He didn't try to put nothing on the soil. He didn't say, no, this is bad soil. No, no, no. He said, in time, we will see what type of soil that really was, because if it was right soil, the seed would come up. I remember when I pastored in uh, 14th Street in Washington, D.C., and and, uh, you know, we were a very, very small church. If we had, you know, 40-something people, it was, it was a huge Sunday. And, uh, you know, when new folks would come in, I, I'd notice, and you, you saw everybody in the room all the time. And uh, I remember this older lady came into uh, one of our meetings. I, I can remember it like it was, it was yesterday. And she stared at me disapprovingly with, her, with her, her arms, you know, folded through the whole meeting. It looked like I had something on my face or something. And, uh, you know... That's what she did the whole service. And, you know, I mean, it was so obvious, you know, I remember me making a mental note, this is years later, saying, I will never see this woman again. She will never come back to this church. But Ms. Conway became one of our most faithful members ever. She was there every single Sunday. And here's the deal. You don't know what's happening in a person's heart. This woman was prior Jehovah's Witness. And she's probably sitting there thinking, trying to figure out all the stuff that was being said. And but, but you see, God, while I was talking, was working on the heart. But you see, if I would have said, you know, this one, this one, this one, I would have missed. Matter of fact, remember when Samuel went to David's brothers? He said, Surely this one, this one, that one, they're, they're God's anointed. He would have missed David if he was looking at the outward man. My job is not to judge the soil. Last night, we had kids with their their pants sagging and big old holes in their ears and, um, you know, like I said in the last, I don't understand some of the stuff. That's why I'm saying there's a little bit of a generation thing starting to go on between me and and, and, and the kids. They got big old round holes like this big in their ears. and I'm like, man, you ain't never been to the jungle. You perpetrating. What you doing? But anyway... Got big old things in their ears, and they're all tatted up and all the rest and, and, and everything. But you don't know what's happening in that young person's heart. You can't judge them by their pants or their, their, their earrings. You can't. No, 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 no. You don't know. So our job is no matter how they live and what they're doing, plant the seed. Yeah. Don't be a judge of the soil. I don't care what their lifestyle is or is not. Just plant the seed you hear me? That's our only job. So, I don't care how mean your family seems. I don't care how opposed they, they seem to be. Just keep planting the seed. Even that person on your job, I don't care how mean they, again, how, how just they will never keep on smiling. Just keep on planting the seed of kindness. And eventually, you don't know it might be 20 years from now, they'll remember. I remember, you know, I thought every Christian was a fake until I met this one person on my job. No matter what I did, they smiled at me, they loved on me, took me out to lunch. And it could take 20 years for that to finally sink into that heart and change that life. It said, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path. No matter how careful he sowed, the wind would invariably blow some of the seed away from where he intended it to go. And the farmer would sow, and and, and he wasn't typically throwing it on the road just to throw it. He wasn't doing that. But but again, the the wind would take it to to the hardened road surface. And Ecclesiastes 11.4 speaks to this, though. It says... He who observes the winds will not sow. In other words, if you're waiting for everything to to be just right before you do that thing God told you to do, you will never, ever do it. And he who regards the clouds will not what? Reap. You will never have perfect circumstances. It will never happen. If it's not one little thing, it's going to be another thing. Just move when God says move. Are you hearing me? People criticize me. See, I'm a guy who knows what he wants. So when I see what I want, I know what I want. I met my wife 19-something years ago, and uh, I met her in May. We were married by February. You hear what I'm saying? I know what I want. (laughs) 19 years later we still together. But I I felt right about it. I've been praying for it. Lord, send me a woman that I can love on and and all the rest. And when God did it, I said, why am I torching myself two years looking at her and not touching her? At some point, okay, I'm getting too real again, I guess, in this, you know, sanctified (laughs) church. I have two children. Where the children come from. I so I ain't gonna do that to myself. I know what I want. Some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Jesus warning his disciples about being naive as it relates to life in the kingdom. Some people can, you know, at times even in my life I've been so spiritual. I, I wasn't really using my head. There will always be forces in this world that are contrary to you, that are against you, that aren't pulling for you. In fact, there will be birds hovering over your head that are oh, just waiting for you to drop down on the ground, just waiting for, for, for them to suck you dry and eat you alive if necessary. Buzzards don't always wait for you to die. You hear what I'm saying? They just wait for you to be weak, and they will eat you alive and then leave you for dead. Pick the bones. Anybody here know what I'm talking about? And he was saying, listen, this ministry thing, this gospel thing, you're not going to do it in some, some, you know, soft world. It's going to happen amid hard living. You're going to deal with some characters that are opposed to you. Then he said, other seed, meaning some seed did this, other seed did did that. And this is the reality. If you're a sower, you will not always hit the jackpot every time. Every time you share the gospel, a person's not going to accept Sometimes they will walk away. In fact, we had a little bit of this in this service last Sunday. Some people were walking out in the midst of my preaching. But I'm not going to stop. matter of fact, that made me turn it up just a little bit more. Because you know what? My job is not to figure all that out. My job is to share this truth, and God's going to deal with you regarding how you dealt with this truth. You hear me? But my job, again, is is to share. So everybody's not going to get it. So get over it. Everybody's not going to embrace it. That, that, that's okay. So, anyway, verse 5, other seed fell on rocky ground. Now, Jesus here, and for some reason I seem to be taking a long time this morning. You still with me? Okay. This seed fell on the area that had limestone. Now, in this part of the world, limestone was, was just it was all over the place. It was, it was, it was very plenteous and And he's not really talking about rocks that were just in the ground. He's talking about this this, this limestone, because let me me show you why I know that. He says, other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much what? Soil. So if it was rocks on the ground, there still would have been a lot of soil. He's talking about, see, with this limestone, what would happen is just a few inches beneath the surface, there'd be this limestone. And it, it could be huge. It could be 10, 20 feet wide, sometimes even, even longer, and it's just kind of a shelf there under the ground. And um, you see, to the sower's eyes, he's not being irresponsible, or otherwise it would be the, 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 the parable of the irresponsible sower. It's, it's about the soils here. The, the issue is well, he, he saw dirt, so he threw it on the dirt. I see people in this room, so I throw the word at people. And it's up to the people's heart to decide what they're going to do with it. So, but, but here's the deal. Under the surface... There was this, this rock, and because uh, th- there was rock, the, the, the roots couldn't go down deep. So all of the strength of the plant was used to go up instead of first down. Did that make sense? Let, let me keep reading. And immediately, the plant what? Sprang up. So this is the look-at-me soil. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer, For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.